Welcome to the FootballCoachesCorner.com podcast, where football coaches come to collaborate. Today's podcast, we talk to Tennessee legend coach Tracy Malone. This is Mark Holcomb, the Football Coaches Corner podcast. Uh, Coach, welcome to the podcast, and I appreciate you taking time out. One thing we got right now, uh, you're like all coaches right now. We probably got a little bit of free time on our hands, so I appreciate you joining us. Hey, Mark, I'm I'm really honored that you've asked. Um, you know, I've been I've really enjoyed listening to the other podcasts and some of the guys I know and some guys I don't know. Uh, and sure enough, man, free time right now is what we all got on our hands. Amen, amen. We were talking a little bit before we come on. We've all. Uh, kind of turned into handymen and uh doing a lot of things maybe we didn't know we could do but one thing one thing i think most coaches know for sure is they cannot sit still and that's just kind of uh you know this has reinforced that for us a little bit oh yeah you know my wife likes my wife tries reminds me on a daily basis that i have adult adhd and i absolutely do i mean i just <laughs> sit, sitting still is just something i suck at man well i'm i've uh i'm about a year away from retirement or being able to retire and I looked at my wife the other day, and I said, "Honey, if this is what retirement's like, I can't do this. There ain't no way. I got, I got to figure something out to do." So, yeah. Well, for the listeners who don't know you, Coach, uh, tell us a little bit about you know your career, maybe why you got into coaching, uh, and just uh, kind of bring them up to speed on on your story. Okay, um, man. Twenty twenty one years of coaching. I'll go as short. I'll go as fast as I can. Keep it as short as I can. Um, <laughs> That's all right. So I was I was at Middle Tennessee State University and uh going to school and I never intended to be a coach. That was never what I wanted to do. I was playing uh believe it or not, I was playing softball, real high level competitive softball, traveling all, traveling all over the south playing ball with different teams and, and my goal, my, my the reason I went to college to be a PE teacher was I wanted to teach elementary school PE and play softball. That that's what I wanted to do. And so I guess it was my it was the last semester before I started student teaching. And so it was the spring semester of, uh, I guess, 97. And I had a guy, I had a 7 a.m. English class with a guy from Ohio. Uh, and he had, uh, he had came to MTSU to play football and had gotten hurt. And we had a class together and I, I ended up helping him get a job at the YMCA where I was working. And uh, we struck up a friendship. And so when I student taught, I was at a middle school there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he was already—he was a year ahead of me, and he was coaching. Um, and so he was already coaching ball, coaching middle school ball there. And, we, and, and uh, when I student taught, he taught me into coaching. He said, man, you need to do this. The head coach was a guy named Ray Barnes. Ray had, uh, Ray had played at, I think, Memphis, had coached at Memphis, coached at Vanderbilt for, with Bill Parcell, under Bill Parcells. He had coached at. Uh, a couple schools in Louisiana. He had been MTSU with a guy named Boots Donnelly, who was a legend at Middle there. And, and anyway, I coached there for a, for my student teaching year. And then my buddy from the English class got a job at Riverdale High School, right across town in Murfreesboro, working for a guy named Gary Rankin. And that's where I really got my start. So I went from student teaching at a middle school, coaching ball, uh, with no intention of ever coaching ball. And once I started, man, I fell in love with it, and I stopped playing softball cold turkey. Uh, I went over to Riverdale, and I was at Riverdale for five years working for, again, Gary Rankin. He's the state of Tennessee's all-time winningest coach. He's won over 400 ball games and 
Uh, I think he's he's up to 14 or 15 state championships now. Um, But, you know, I was with him for five years, made my way up from literally freshman assistant, get back coach up to, you know, up to varsity assistant there and got to coach in three state championship games and and win one of those. And and it was really cool experience. And then I, I wanted to climb the ladder. So I took an OC job in Georgia. Um, I was at uh, Mundy's Mill High School outside Atlanta for a year, uh, second year school. I was there as the OC. And then I got hooked up with, with a guy named Mickey Kahn at Grayson High School, a big school on the north end of Atlanta. Um, oh, yeah. Now, yeah, so Mickey's now the safeties coach at Clemson. Uh, so I ran the offense for Mickey for two years. I was the assistant head coach. That was a tremendous experience to be at a school with you know over 3,000 students and see how a program of that size operates. Uh, got my first head football job in a little town on the north end of, on the north part of Alabama, right on the Tennessee Alabama state line, a little place called Ardmore, Alabama. Was the head coach there for three years, had, had, had some success and then got the, my, by that time we had our, my wife and I had our first son in Atlanta. Our second son was born in Alabama and we wanted to get back closer to, to family in Tennessee. So I took the head football job at White County High School. Um, you basically connected Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga with, with, with dots, Sparta sits right in the middle. So we were the head coach there for three years, um, had some success, went to the playoffs back-to-back years for the first time in that school's history, and then took the head football job at, at East Ridge High in Chattanooga, uh, came down there and was there from 2012 through 2015 season. Um, had a great run there, man. Really, really loved being there. And then was the head football coach at East uh, at Whitwell High School, a little small school. With the superintendent was a buddy of mine, so I went there. And then I got into Knoxville, and I've been at Knox West High School the last two years as the OC. Um, we just we just finished off the 2019 season, got to the semifinals, and had a great run, man. It was a super experience working for a guy named Lamar Brown, who's who's a really good friend and a mentor and a good man. I, you know, my oldest son played played for us at West and played for Lamar and. And then I got offered a job at uh, Cleveland High School, the OC job at Cleveland High, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago. I live in Chattanooga and was commuting to Knoxville every day. So we're looking at 100 miles there, wow. 100 miles back every day. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a pretty good ride there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah. you know, when we came to Chattanooga in 2012, I promised my wife we wouldn't move anymore. And we're not. I mean, we're, we're here and we like, we love Chattanooga. So Cleveland's about 15, 20 minutes from the house. And, uh, so going to be the OC there at 6A school, which is the biggest classification in Tennessee. Cleveland's got tremendous history, tremendous tradition, uh, and tremendous expectations. And I'm really excited to be a part of that staff working for Marty Wheeler, uh, trying to help get that bad boy back where it belongs. Well, that's impressive. You talked about, I mean, it, the, the nice thing about your, your story, you know, I think one of the things that brings us, you mentioned being a, uh, being a competitive softball player at a high level, and then you turn around, and you talk about coaching. I think that's one of the things that brings us back is is just we just love the competition. I mean, you know, you get you get uh, that's what I tell kids all the time. I said I got out of high school uh, so I could get back in high school. I mean, you know, I love the 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 relationships with the kids, but the the competition of today. I mean, at the end of the day, is 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 what brings us back. But you've had some, uh, you know, you've had some some really good mentors throughout there. And uh, and one thing I think that you know you talk about moving around and doing things like that. I think some coaches don't understand that that's, uh, you know, very, very few coaches start in one spot and stay there for, for a long time. I mean, you're going to have to, if you want to move up the ladder, you mentioned going to Georgia, going to Alabama. If you want to move up the ladder, you're going to have to, 
you know, be in the right situation not to have to move or you're going to have to, you know, uh, uh, move your family and you're exactly right. But sounds like this is one of those, uh, happily ever after things though. You're right. You know, you're 15 minutes from the house and, and, uh, right there where you live at and then going to be able to, uh, to help Cleveland. I mean, that's just, that's, uh, that's pretty neat. So talk to us about, uh, I guess your transition to the new school. I know that's, uh, that's something you said just, just a little bit ago. You, uh, got that opportunity and uh so so what do you think's ahead of you right there well you know just speaking on transitions you know i was an assistant coach for several years and then i was a head coach for 11 years and then making the transition from head coach back to assistant level coordinator level was really good for me it it, it recharged my batteries um it allowed me an opportunity to coach my you know to be a part of my my oldest son you know my younger son doesn't play ball my oldest one does and and it's been really cool to do that and share that with him um and then now you know taking taking the offense over at Cleveland High it's been very unique um when when I interviewed for the job you know the head coach said look man you know I want to I want to who do you think's the best offensive line coach you know and I need to hire a new O-line coach too and I gave him the name of a buddy of mine named Chase Fleming, who's out, out of Georgia. And I said, look, he's the best one I know. And if we could get him, man, that would be an absolute grand slam. And sure enough, they went after Chase, and we hired him. So, you know, we're coming in new. Uh, there's The receiver coach is back, the running back coach is back, and the tight ends coach is back. So we actually got one full in-person staff meeting. Um, we spent about three hours together on a Sunday and then the very next week, the coronavirus and everything shut down. So that transition has been unique, man. There's been a lot of text messages, phone calls, um, Zoom meetings. Um, I, I put a dry erase board up in the garage. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've set a laptop up on a cooler out there in the garage and just you know, a true a true coach, man. Parking. You got to. I'm if you got a whiteboard in your garage, man, there you go. <laughs> it's been, but it's been interesting. Um, and and I'll be honest with you, man, I'm really blessed there. You know, Coach Wheeler's Coach Wheeler is really, really, really hands off about things. He's he's pretty much like, Look, man, I hired you to do this job, you do the job. Um That's and so, yeah. you know, the offensive line coach is tremendous. Everybody on the staff, the receivers coach Brad Benefield, you know, running backs coach Cal Washington and then the tight ends coach Martez Barber are all tremendous coaches in their own right. Uh they've accepted me. We're we're sort of working our way through verbiage and terminology and how we do this and that and the system and you know and learning to you know to become brothers because that's what that's what it is coaching staffs and brothers yeah yeah we're we're talking right now you know we're meeting with our our coaches and like you said we're you know on the phone all the time you know just different type of zoom meetings or just whatever we're doing but you know i think the thing right now we're talking about is uh you know we might be ahead of the eight ball just a little bit because uh you know, we've had our kids, you know, we're in a new school too, but this is our first graduating class. So we've had our kids in our program, so they understand our, our terminology and those things. But, you know, you're starting to talk about, hey, are we going to get these kids in June? Are we going to get these kids in July? Are we going to get them in August? And you're starting to look at your offense and going, all right, what, what can I take out of this? <laughs> so it might make us, this might be the best coaching job I think a lot of us do because we have to pare things down and see what's really important. You know, and that's what you guys are doing now is communicating and, and like you said, getting that verbiage and getting everything, coaching your coaches right now so that when you get a chance, you can coach your kids. No, no doubt. You know, we, I feel like, and this, I, I don't know, this is obviously not a question you've asked, but I think, you know, one of the things that we did 
2019 was a special year for us at West High in Knoxville. Um, you know, got to the semifinals and had a great run with some unbelievable kids and unbelievable coaches. One of the things I think that I did that was really helpful for me is is coming out of the 18 season. I thought that we, I thought that every week we were letting our offense kind of go in too many directions. Um, you know, just hey, we felt like we needed to try to incorporate this shot play or incorporate this little wrinkle, and and I felt like we were getting away from being us. Um, yeah. And so, you know, going into this, going into that season last year, I made a promise to myself. And so every game plan, every call sheet was literally written, handwritten by me on a three by six note card. And I wasn't doing that to try to look like Mike Leach or try to look like some cool guru. <laughs> I was doing it because it, it, I needed, we needed to make sure that what we were doing was, was, was small and we were staying focused on that. And so, you know, going into that deal, that was really good, putting it on the game plan. And then talking about now, you know, we're really kind of working off of my, my – I hate to say my – our offensive philosophy really is two things. We talk about just be us and no daps. Um, I don't know if I can say what on this podcast, but daps are dumbass <laughs> plays, dumbass yeah. penalties, and dumbass plans. And so that's really what we say. <laughs> you know, so as a coach, I can't give our kids a dumb plan and put them in situations that they're not prepared for, give them too much. We can't have dumb plays. We can't have dumb penalties. And so our offensive philosophy literally are those two things, no daps and just be us. And so it's allowing us to really hone our focus and stay tight on what we need to be. Yeah, and I think uh, as a – you know, I, I'm, I've been guilty of it, and I think a lot of coaches have been guilty of trying to do trying to do so many things that you just can't be good at one thing. You're not, you know, you spread out and – I always tell guys, you know, when I first became the head coach, man, I had the thickest playbook in America. I mean, we could do everything, but we couldn't do anything good. And I think, yeah. you know, looking back after the season and being able to say, okay, well, we did this. We we spent a lot of practice time with this. We didn't run it enough. We weren't efficient enough, so let's throw these things out. Once we did that and we just figured out, like you said, being us, what do we do? And once we did that, our kids got more comfortable. You know, I, I love walking into – the huddle on the third down and two and saying, all right, what do you guys want to do? And then when they tell me what they want to do, that just gives me so much more confidence as a coach to say, all right, that's what we're going to do. Because if they yeah. feel comfortable, I mean, I, I can't block a three technique anymore. I can tell you, I barely could when I played. But, you know, so if they can do those things, and I think that just makes it so much better. No um, doubt. Talk no to doubt. Us, I mean, yeah. confidence. Hey, the, amen. That's a big part of it. Yep. Uh, talk to us, Coach, a little bit about your favorite runs, and we'll get into some of your uh, – I know you've uh, kind of a lot of interest in, in the topic of uh, how you guys teach zones. So talk to us a little bit about your runs, and then let's get to zone a little bit. Okay. Um, well, I think that through, throughout – I guess I started calling offense in 2003. Uh, and so from 2003 till now and moving forward, We've always carried an inside zone play and an outside zone play and a gap play, some kind of gap scheme. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, inside zone has always been a staple for us, some years more than others. Um, you know, I really, I really think that if you've got a, if you've got a quarterback that's mobile, that makes it that much better. Uh, and we can talk RPOs too. Uh, but for me, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to say, look, you've got to run three plays, if there's going to be an inside zone scheme. There's going to be an outside zone scheme. And honestly, I, we ran a lot of pin pull. Um, when I was the head coach at East Ridge High, we were really running a ton of pin pull. Um, then that sort of morphed into buck sweep. 
Um, and there are some there are some things I really like about Buck Sweep. There are some things I don't like about Buck Sweep. So we've been sort of putting together, going back to more of a pin pull philosophy. And I guess power, power would be the next one. I know that's everybody says that's God's play, man. Um, but for me, when I've had more success with, with power blocking, it's been on power read. It's been when we've had quarterbacks that can really run, uh, you know, and really kind of do that deal. So, I mean, if you're going to ask me right now to, to number them, I'm going wide zone or outside zone would be my number one scheme. Uh, I'd probably say pin pull would be two, inside zone three, and then some kind of gap power counter. One of those would be four. Yeah. I, well, a lot of people call power. I'm a, I'm a counter guy, so that's guy's play to me. But I mean, I, I agree with you. I think you gotta have, uh, you gotta have some zone schemes and some gap schemes because we see so many different fronts. But I don't think you can have paralysis. You know, if you try to do all those things, and uh, you know, I need to talk to you about power read too because I, you know, we we we've tried it in the past a lot, and you know, it, it looks really good, but for some reason we just struggle. And I think part of that is not putting enough time into it you know because that's a uh you know it can happen in a hurry for your quarterback and i think that you know giving some default rules i think makes it a little bit easier too but uh you know I, that, those down blocks and pulls for linemen just make things so much easier when you got some you know some more daddies up there up front too oh yeah yeah you know we yeah. one of the things we talk about and this is probably a guiding principle offensively is, is i use the terms expensive and inexpensive a lot um you touched on how we run our zone schemes, our inside zone and outside zone. For us, they are not expensive. They don't take as much time for us to, you know, to really folk to really kind of get them installed. And so, and that's something Power Read really is expensive. That's not an easy play that you just get good at. So, but uh, yeah, man, we we get a lot of had a lot of interest and a lot of questions about how we run zone and and honestly, a lot of eye rolls because we do it completely different than anybody else does it. Well, yeah, talk to us a little bit about it because I've, you know, I've seen uh, a lot of different guys blocking zone, uh, inside zone, whether it's wide zone, mid zone, uh, outside zone. So talk to us a little bit about your rules. Like take us through like how you would teach that to your kids. Okay. Well, let me kind of start with how we got to where we got to, where we are. Okay. Now. Um, I guess this was 2000 and probably somewhere in the 2010, 11 season going forward till about 2016, I just sat down and did about a five-year study, uh, a self-scout, honestly, on the zone, inside zone and outside zone, and what we were doing and how we were doing it, um, you know, and how we were teaching it. And here's what I came up with. This is what I found about us. We were spending over 60% of our time with our offensive linemen during individual group and pod drills working on two-man combinations. And we were only getting to combo people about 20% of the time in the game. And I think that if you really stop and look at zone, a good – I mean, if you're playing teams that are bad, that you're going to just – if you're going to boat race them no matter what, it doesn't matter what you do. But when you're playing <laughs> good folks, you know, when you're trying to win champ, region championships and state championships and, you know, an old coach in Tennessee used to talk about, you know, the games that have names matter. So when you start talking about semifinals, quarterfinals, championships, those have names. You know, oh, game yeah. 10 doesn't have a name. Um, right. So my thought process is, you know, we studied it, and good when you're playing good teams and you're evenly matched, a good defensive coordinator is not going to just sit there still and let you combo three techniques all night long. He's just not going to do right. it. You know, he's right. going to walk a backer up and bluff. So what we, what we I made a decision as a, as a head coach back then, 
no more combinations. We're going to solo block everything. Now, zone is literally two men working a, a two-man combination, and it ends up being I've got one and you've got the other. So we end up in solo blocks. Um, and so we feel like, look, we're just going to go ahead and man this thing up across the board. And um, when we do, and again, I'm in the minority, and I know that a lot of smarter coaches than me combo zone, and that's great. But, you know, I think there's different ways to do things. And for us, we just feel like solo blocking it, man blocking this thing allows us to be more aggressive. I don't – you and I working right guard, right tackle together on a combo – we're not – in our system, we're not letting a linebacker tell us which way we're coming off. We're gone right now. And so right. as for our rules, you know, our rules for our offensive linemen on our wide zone play are on, over, to inside. Um, on is from my nose to the next play side lineman's near armpit. That's on to me. So if he's on the line of scrimmage in that cylinder, that's who I've got. Anything, if there's not anybody on the line, then over becomes the next rule for me. So that's generally linebacker level. And as I work my path and track to get up to the backer, if I'm working an overlook, uh, if that backer flies out so fast I can't get to him, then I'm looking back inside. So that's how we teach it, on over to inside. Uh, we are, we've been gun and pistol. We're a pistol team now. Uh, and so, you know, it, it works. It works for us, and it, you know, we feel like we can coach it and answer it. Uh, and we use those. We use on over on our inside zone too. So you know we solo block both of them. Well, and I think uh, you know just looking at that without seeing it, but it it makes sense because how many times have you been with a guy and you're you're doubling and that backer runs out and takes himself out and you end up chasing that backer to the front side and somebody's coming from the backside to feel it and make that play there. Yeah. Well, let but me I, let me. I, I think that makes sense. I'll kind of walk it through real quick this way. Let's say we're playing, okay. and we and we are an eleven personnel team. We are we are going to have a tight end on the field, uh, yeah. and that tight end. I know I talk to people all the time. Well, I don't have tight ends in my program. I don't believe that. I mean, we've had tight ends who have been guards before. We've had tall, lanky basketball player tight ends. We've had short, squatty tight ends. You know, for me, they're an extension of the run game, and then you try to figure out what they can do in the throw game. So let's just sort of. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of mentally picture a tight end surface to our right-hand side working an odd front defense. Uh, so the center's got a head-up zero. Both tackles are covered with four techniques. The guards have got backers over them, so a three-four. And our tight end has right. a, a loose nine technique. So for us, when we start applying our rules, our tight end, you know, what we teach our tight end, our offensive linemen are on over to inside. Our tight end, his rule is number three. We used to ID the front back in the day like everybody else. You know, the center had zero, play side guards got right. one, play side tackle has two. Well, the problem is center IDs the nose is zero. We step zone right, and the nose spikes backside. He's not zero anymore. So why am I no, calling he's negative, zero yeah. he's not yeah. zero? So we eliminated that. But we kept the number three for our tight end so he understands he's got the first thing outside him. Um, and we teach him as he steps with his play side foot, he's trying to get – his nose down the sternum of the of the overhang player. Uh, we feel like if we can get square, he's reached. We've got him. We don't really try to teach him to get all the way head outside on, for our tight end because we feel like he can get backdoored pretty quick. That, that usually yeah. outside linebacker is going to be a pretty good athlete. So we're trying to get square. If we think we can get square, we've got you reached. If you fly out, we're going to just turn you out and torque you and run you to the sideline. So now let's kind of work to our tackle. 
Our tackle's got a head-up four technique. We're playing odd front. We've got zone coming to him to the right. He's going to block the four. He's got the four. I don't care if the four slants out to become a five. If the four fires off trying to two-gap, he's got him. If the four spikes inside as a three, to become a three technique, he's got him. It doesn't matter. So then the coaching really comes for our, our play side guard. He's got on over. Well, nobody's on him, but there's a backer over him. So he's going to step with his play side foot, working his angle, climbing up to get to the backer. Well, if the four technique comes inside, that guard's got to get through that. He can't make contact with it. He's got to get through it and chase the backer down. We use the term rub paint like NASCAR. You know, NASCAR racers yeah. talk about rubbing paint. Well, we want that guard to rub paint off that off that defensive tackle and work up to the backer. Uh, the center's got the nose just like – so wherever the nose goes, the center's got him. Backside guard's still working rub paint to get to the backer. Backside tackle's got his on-four technique. Um, and if you start getting into even fronts, which we didn't see very many. We played 14 games last year, and we saw two even fronts the whole season. Uh, yeah, more people are going odd. to odd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think this coming year, moving into where we're going to, I think we're going to see a little more even. But for me, even fronts are even better. You know, play side tackle's got a five, he's got the five. Play side guard's got a three, he's got the three. If the play side guard has no, the you know, the center's got a shade, fine, he's got the shade. Guard's climbing. We just, you start drawing up the front. About the only thing that really makes us makes us work a little bit is a backside two technique. Um, yeah, because yeah. by rule, the guard's got to on. He's got to take the two. That backside tackle's got to work his butt up and through and all that. So, we're you know, our new O-line coach, you know, he's really kind of bringing a lot of fold ideas to us. So, we may be doing some wrinkles on the backside. But, like I said, we just do it that way. We think it allows us to be real aggressive. It thinks, we think it allows us to take out the guesswork. We have to answer a couple little issues. But other than that, man, we're just man-blocking it and going, and you can't really bluff us out of it. Yeah, that was the only thing I was going to ask you. Is like, so you got a front-side four technique, and he spikes inside. Does that guard ever have to go around the tackle to get to the linebacker? We have, or is he we just have trying not to release? done that. Okay. We've okay. not done it, but we've sure as heck talked about it a bunch. Um, yeah, yeah. We've <laughs> talked about it a lot, but the, but the worry for that is, you know, our concern for that is if you start getting backside run through. So our answer is this. You know, we may, our, our outside zone play from pistol, our back's aiming for the outside hip of the tight end. It used okay. to be we, we aimed one step outside the tight end, and we felt like we really – we did that well, but we never really got that B-gap roll-up run. You know, we were always either getting the D-gap and reaching you, or we were puncturing the C-gap. We never yeah, really got yeah. the roll through B. So we're tightening that to outside hip of the tight end or imaginary tight end this year. Um, and so our thought is this, and to answer your question, if the four technique spiking inside continues to become an issue, I need to call pin pull more. You know, we need to start yeah, gapping yeah. them because they're giving it up. So yeah. um, those two plays, so our our wide zone and our buck sweep slash pin pull play look the exact same in the backfield. They're both a stretch action run. We're just changing up the blocking scheme depending on what you're doing. And that makes sense because now you got an answer. Because that's the only thing I'm, I'm looking at sitting here. All right, what if that four? Because we get fours, you know, everybody's trying to go to this tight front now, and we get those fours, you know, basically playing threes when the ball snaps. Yeah, and then, so that, uh, now, you know, and I'll yeah. be honest with you, that, that is something that – that's why we've added the word, you know, our rules are on over inside. We added the word inside specifically for the tight front because by rule – if we're playing you guys and you're running a, a zero technique nose and two four eyes tight front, 
then by rule our guard has to take the four eye because that's on. You know, he's in his, yeah. you know, he's, and then our tackle has to push and he's working over. Well, there's really nobody there. So we added that word inside so we can now deal with that tight front look, you know, and go from there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot yeah. of sense. So, yeah. So you, like, uh, we've had a lot of schools reach out and ask about it. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm really more than willing to share. I've sent out huddle cut ups. Anybody listening to this later? I'll send out whatever you want to see, man. I, I just don't yeah. – I'm not one of those coaches that think there's a lot of secrets in ball. I mean, I can turn on film, kind of figure it out. Uh, sure, everybody else can. So, I mean, I'll share it. I don't care. Well, I think we're 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 all right now getting as much as we can. You know, you oh. we have really – we have really gone into a deep dive, I guess you would say, on, on wide zone. Uh, yep. Myself, Coach Brown, some of our guys, we've just really been talking about it a lot lately and, you know, I mean, there's so many teams. I mean, you know, there's so many teams that run it as, I mean, they run it. That's what they run. You know, we, you know, we're from North Carolina, so Appalachian State, obviously that group now is that, is that, uh, Louisville. But, and then the offensive line coach that's with them now was at NC State. So you just look at those schools and they're all, they're wide zone, wide zone, wide zone and pin full. So, you know, those things, those two things work together very well. Wide zone was our number one. I mean, this season, Wide zone from we did and it, here's here's how smart I am or how dumb I am. We 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 didn't really install it until like week four, and we didn't run it until week five. And then once we hit week five through the semifinals, it was our number one run called by far. I mean, it was four to one wide zone. Um, yeah. Right. You know, I just feel like it's. I, I think it's an inex. How we do it, it's not expensive. I think that it's easy to carry. I think it's easy to coach. Easy to answer. Um, it's multiple enough to be three-man surface or two-man surface. Um, I love the naked stuff, the naked game off of it. That's, you know, that's a staple for us. So, you know, it, it's, it's best playing football in my opinion. Well, and, and, you know, you hear so many coaches talk about how expensive it is and you can't date it. You got to marry it. But with the way you guys have kind of come up with your rules, it makes sense for the kids because now they just have to ask them some of those questions and whichever one on over inside, whichever one answers it, that they know their scheme. So there you that, go. That, that, that's very interesting. Very interesting. You talked a little bit about RPOs. So, uh, just take to me, you know, we could, we could talk RPOs here, but take me to a cup through a couple of your, your favorite RPOs. Okay. So we try to, we try to put ours into some families. Um, we have pre-snap families post-snap families, and then we've got one we think can be a pre or a post. So when we teach our pre-snap RPOs, uh, probably the one that I really like the most, uh, like, for example, would be if we have a tight end surface to our right and we have wide zone call to the tight end side. Uh, back okay. away, I, I love to put – I love to go two receivers back away from the tight end. That's probably my favorite formation, uh, twins pro kind of stuff. Uh, and we yep. and I really like to take that – that number two receiver and stack him behind number one. Um, love that. I mean, it's just another version of a, a now screen or a, you know, a pop play or whatever you want, you know, fast, you know, just a now throw. Um, but what yeah. we do is we'll teach, we sort of have a little system. We teach our quarterback. We just tell him it's a math problem. So if I have a receiver on the line and a receiver stack behind him, about usually about two, two and a half, two, two to three steps behind him, we tell the quarterback, we have two people out there. All right, the defense, we're going to assume they're going to have one. They're going to put a corner on a receiver. So then we start doing math. If we look out there and they have one, just one, 
then you have to throw it. You have no choice. Our math says we have two, they have one, the ball has to be thrown right now. Uh, if you look out there and they have a corner and a overhang backer playing the apex, then we call that one and a half. So we mm-hmm. have two. The defense now has one and a half. And so what we tell the quarterback is anytime he gets a one and a half look, he's never wrong. If he hands it off, that's fine. If he throws it, that's fine. He never can be wrong on a one and a half look. And then if he, if they give us two, they got a, corner and the backer walked all the way up there we have two they have two we don't like it he can never throw a two look um and so we try to give him that little thing uh so we love stacks you know stack stuff are are great for us in our rpo game we're like everybody else man we've got you know we've got backside bubbles and front and backside hitches and frontside hitches um so we've got that one of the things we started doing a little more this year was was getting some some wide zone blocking up front with some jet sweep action, uh, and then putting a backside, you know, jet sweep coming from like left to right, and putting another yep. receiver on the backside, letting him replace the backer in the box, and reading that guy. Uh, we call that thin five and in. That's all it stands for, um, you know. And reading that backer. So if he's a fast flow guy, you've got an easy little angle throw in there. Uh, and then one where we're trying to kind of go to is I'm starting to study. The front side and back side glance routes. Um, yes, we, we had some success with that know, last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not something we've ever done. Um, but really starting to look at that a little bit, you know, because when you start running wide zone and, and, and jets, especially, you know, people are going to start rocking the safety down, running the alley. And so now they're putting that corner in a bind and you can maybe steal some easy glance throws. So. Again, love pre-snap, love the pre-snap RPOs. I think they're easy to coach. Uh, I think they're not expensive. They're pretty simple. This is an easy math problem. Um, you know, the, the backer in the box RPOs are pretty good for us. Uh, the post-snap stuff for us is just okay. Um, yeah. you know, the, the kids we've had at quarterback the last couple of years are not, are not traditional runner type kids. Um, you know, so, so we've sort of stuck more with the pre-snap stuff, but, um, you know, and then trying to transition and look a little bit more at that, at that downfield shot. I heard a coach on a Zoom a couple of weeks ago say, you know, if you've got those, if you've got those glance post routes in your RPO game, you can get rid of some of your mid-range shot plays. And I, that was really intriguing to me. Yeah, I think we, we tried to, as much as possible, take our take our quick game and make that our RPO. Great you know, thought. Everything in there with a hit, with the hitches, the you know, the, the the fade out to the field, all those things, because uh, I'm sure you're aware of Brent Deerman. Yeah, I've got, you, I mean, I've got a great Brent Deerman story if you want to hear it. So, yeah, go ahead, because I want to talk so about I'm him a little spe- bit, too. So I'm speaking at a, a buddy of mine named Shay Monroe. I actually coached Shay in high school at Grayson. Shay's in Alabama, and he's actually started this clinic called the Alabama Spread and Defensive Clinic. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, went, we, went, uh, we went a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. So the first year he had it, the first year he had it, I went down to, I was actually speaking the first year and I was, I got up on a Friday morning and my oldest son got put in the hospital. And so I had to leave, I had to call Shay at like 7 a.m. and say, look, man, I, I can't stay. I can't speak. I got to go. So I, I, I hauled butt back to Chattanooga. Well, the second year he has it, you know, I'm back speaking again. Thankfully he asked me back. And, uh, so Brent Deerman speaking too. And so we're at the, we're at the social and Brent's got to fly out the next morning back to Kansas. And I'm like, look, man, you know, we need to talk some ball tonight. And he's like, okay, well, we'll go back to the hotel. Well, about that time, 
our conversation with about four of us turned into there's 40 of us standing there. So we yeah. literally go back to the hotel and we get Brent. Somebody went to Walmart and bought a That was me. <laughs> was that, that was you, me. Were you there? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So there you I go. Was the one so, you, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, we're I told him I said, I, People don't understand how great. awesome that was. We were down there to what, one in the morning, two in the morning? Oh, no. You know? No doubt. We Yeah, we came in because I was like, you know, we came down there, you know, we we're Patrick Taylor's from up here, so we had talked to yep. Patrick a little bit about it. And uh I got a buddy in Alabama named Patrick Browning, who's good buddies with Shake. Patrick's uh Patrick Browning's at Pike Road, which is a yep. new school. So we kinda hit it off a little bit too. And so uh so yeah, we came down and and, and I was like, We we need to get we need to talk to this guy, man. He's got some really good stuff and I'd I had ordered his book offline and it just made so much sense to me. And then yeah, sitting back in that that night, I was like, oh, we're going to Walmart, man. We're going to Walmart and buy so, uh, an erase board. So you'll board remember me. I was, the guy, oh, yeah. I was sitting in front of the fireplace. I was sort of asking all the questions. All right, man, what's yeah. this? How do you do this? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You know, what's pretty cool is he actually, when we got finished, he and I hop on the elevator. We're going back up to our rooms. We were on the same floor, and he gave me his cell number. And Brent has yep. been unbelievable. About a couple, three or four times a year, he'll shoot me a text, how things going. Uh, if I text him, he's usually back with me in 24 hours, man. I mean, it's it's an un. But that was a, such a cool night, bro. I mean, I don't know how many what there are probably 30, 40 guys in that hotel. There was a bunch of there was a bunch of guys in there, just and everybody was locked in, man. I mean, he he was he was holding court. And you're thinking you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man. I'm a I'm a high school football coach, and this guy everybody knew he was going on to bigger and better things, and he had yeah he had just gotten hired at Kansas, and then becomes the OC. I watched the. Uh, a, a Zoom meeting with him the other night he was doing in his basement, and, uh, and I thought to myself, this guy. But he, he is a guy who is true to his stuff. But the thing I took from him was he he kept talking about that D-gap fitter, D-gap, D-gap, D-gap. Yeah. So when we, we went back this year, we started talking to our receivers about, you know, blocking rules. You know, everybody's worried about blocking the overhang or blocking this guy or blocking that guy. And sometimes it gets confusing for those receivers, and we were like, guys, Find the D gap fitter, and if we can't block him, then we got to make him wrong. And yeah. so that 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 helped us. So that's where we came in with a glance. We ran his glance a couple of times. We ran a spot route. We ran a little bit of of it off power. And you know, I'd never thought about it before too. I've had a lot of guys call me and ask me, "Why don't you run RPOs off a of counter?" And and well, I mean, I'll tell you, we used to, but but that C gap defender coming off the backside is yep. going to hit my quarterback in the face. And I, you know, I don't know about you and the rest of these guys, but generally I've got one quarterback. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's there for a reason. I don't, I don't need him getting hit in the side of the head a couple times a game. So, so we were like, well, all right, we're going to take that out and um, and do some more pin pull stuff and some more of that stuff. So, yeah, that's a that's awesome, man. Yeah, he was a he was a great guy. I, I really enjoyed that time, and uh, and uh, it was it was cool to sit around and hang out with those guys. So, no doubt, yep. no doubt, yep. Well, coach, anything else that I haven't uh, that you want to talk about a little bit? I mean, I, you know, like I said, we got yeah, more time. Um, whatever. Is there anything else? Well, I think I think when when people start running wide zone and pin pull, I think you've got to have you have to have play action off of it. And the easiest one is obviously some kind of naked boot stuff. Um, so one of the things that we did, we sat down this I guess after the 2018 season. O-line coach, myself, and the head coach at West High in Knoxville, we sat down and talked about coming up with a boot protection that mirrored our buck sweep play. 
Um, and so most people, if they're going to run naked off wide zone, you know, all five offensive linemen are going to open and run the same direction. You're going to fake it and boot it away. We we right. kind of came up with a thing where we had both of our tackles blocked down, just pin B-gap. The center was going to block the first thing that had his hand in the ground in whichever A-gap. And then we were going to pull both guards in the direction, you know, of what we were faking. So we were trying to make it look like Buck Sweet. Um, and then running naked back away from those two pulls, man. And that was really, really good for us in 19. Uh, and, pro- and and as I look back to our season, should have ran it more. Uh, and really right, should have ran it more. linebackers moving. Oh, yeah. And really should have ran yeah. it more in the, in the second, ha- second half of that semifinal game. Um, you know, because we were, they were fast flowing like crazy. We should have did that more. I, I would just say anybody that's trying to kind of get into, wide zone or, or off the off edge pin pull run plays you've got to have that naked boot game coming back um you know and you've got to make it it's got to look like the run play and if you can do that you know man you've got something because you know quarterbacks can get soft edges and you know you can just you can do any number of three-man combinations you want you know anything you want and you know, can be real successful but but uh you know that that's i mean i'm sort of at the point now you know, I, I'm still an old dinosaur coach, man. I mean, my my starting point was was two back eye. That's where I started learning football. Me, me and you both. So. Yeah. Yep. So I always go back to that thought process of you know, and you know, and how we do things. And and you know, I think one of the things that we really we feel good about is is our formation system, how we do all that jazz, and how we move people around. And you know, I had some. Had, I thought this was a great compliment the other day. A, a guy I used to coach against. Somebody had put on Twitter about do you formation check people, and I, I just commented and I said, you know, we we try to move these people around and give you all these looks, and and somebody, this guy I know, commented and said, yeah, you can't formation check him, and I thought that was really cool because we're yeah. going to do it. You know, we we use a term in our offense called bleed it dry. We're going to take a run scheme, let's say it's inside zone. And we're going to run it to everybody we can run it to, outside zone. We're going to run it to the tailback, the F, both receivers. We're going to quarterback. We're going to get it to everybody. We're going to bleed a run scheme dry. And, uh, you know, so that, and then we're going to do it from every conceivable formation and motion as we can. And we have a real simple system on how we teach our formations. And we, we teach some base formations. Then we teach what we call triggers. Each eligible player has some four or five different words that talk just to him to get him to do different things. And we can, you know, we can put our tight end in 16 different spots, our fullback, our F in 14 different spots. You know, we can move those cats around. We think it's simple. Um, and to me, that's offense, man. I mean, you know, carrying all these, having all these schemes and all these pass plays and all, man. I mean, you know, Slade, you know, Slade Singleton over in North Carolina has got a, you know, he had the more with four system. The thing is yep. simple. Four runs, yeah. four base passes, four base screens, you know, and try to do those things from everything. Do it from every look you can, and, and we've we've sort of did that, you know. And I'm I'm pretty pretty stubborn now about the things that I believe in, and you know, but it's not really what I believe in. I believe in it, but it's what I can coach and what I know the answers. You know, you start doing yeah, this, I know the, the answers. Yeah. You know, like yeah. passing game for us, we want to run naked, we want to run curl flat, we got we got some quick game, we got a couple shot plays. And we, we're just going to build off that because that's what we know. I mean, it's what we know. We believe in it. Like you talked about earlier, if you step in a huddle on third and two, we step in a huddle on third and two, 
there's about three or four things we really believe in. We've convinced our kids they can do it versus anything versus anybody. And, you know, that, that's, that's why, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's why we were successful. Great kids. And we kept it small. We, you know, we focused on being us and no daps and we were good. And I, I love the fact that, you know, formations when, uh, the school I was to, I was at previous North Davidson, you know, we were, we were going to work trips somehow. We were going to line up in trips. We were going to motion out of two by two to trips. We were going to run the uh, two back and get the back out and, and run to trips. But it, it was like, we got to figure out how to get to trips and we got to figure out what gives us the best chance once we get there. You know, is, is it lining up? Because some weeks it was just lining up in and we got what we wanted. The next week we would say, all right, we got a motion. We got a motion. The next week we would say, all right, we got to go two back and motion that guy out. So, you know, it was just the adjustments. And like you said, knowing those answers, I think, is what really, really makes makes everything fit together, I guess you'd say. Like you said a while ago, that four technique spiking inside on outside zone, and he's giving us a, a, a hard time. We're going to go pin pull. I mean, that's an yeah. answer. That's built in. It's a, that's, it's, it's wing TS, if that's, the, if that's the word. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so. No doubt. No doubt. Gap yeah. down backer, man. That might as well be the – you know, we talked to our quarterback <laughs> – I tell our quarterbacks all the time, you know, the eleventh commandment is thou shalt not drop the snap. And I probably and I figured the twelfth commandment is gap down back. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They lost those two. They lost those two. No doubt. Ball. Yeah. They, so I don't know why they didn't drop. put in there. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Coach. Well, um, you know, this has been this has been uh, an outstanding uh, talk. I do appreciate. It. Uh, and I know you you mentioned Twitter a couple times. You're pretty active on Twitter. Give a uh, Give our listeners your uh, your contact info if they want to reach out to you. Sure. So on Twitter, it's at CoachTM9. And uh, you hit me up on a DM there, man, and I will, you know, then I'll give you my cell number, whatever. You can text, call, email, um, I'll, you know, whatever. Like I said, I, I don't I don't feel like – I don't believe in secrets in football, that whole, well, I can't show you this or that. I mean, yeah. we play – I mean, every one of us compete against really smart people. So, I mean, people can get on and watch our film and figure out what we're doing. So, I don't care to share anything. But, you know, at Coach TM9, uh, emails Coach Tracy Malone at gmail.com. You know, anybody hit me up, man, I'm more than happy to talk ball. I mean, my wife is – she's always trying to get me away from her and get me out of her hair. So, the more I can do this <laughs> stuff, the better I am at home. There you go. There you go. Well, Coach, I appreciate you. I'm going to take this thing home a little bit here and uh, uh, just remind everybody out there who's listening – uh, to check out our website, which is www.footballcoachescorner.com. Uh, we've got some some articles on there, uh, some game planning templates, some other stuff that you could use for practice. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns for us or anything you'd like to see, uh, you know, you can hit us up at Twitter, and that's at fbcoachescorner, and email us uh, at fbcoachescorner at gmail.com. And, uh, coaches, I appreciate you. And, Coach, I appreciate you again uh, spending time with us today. And, uh Looking forward to putting this up in, uh, uh, in the next few days, and uh, I think we'll get some uh, some good reactions. But uh, coaches out there, until next time, continue to coach with pride, passion, and a purpose. Thank you.